All right, you got your Bible, go to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3 is where our text will be this morning. We're continuing our series uh, on family ties. We've been taking a few weeks and looking at the issue of family uh, and uh, Scripture. And this morning, it's going to be heavy. I'm just going to tell you up front, it's going to be heavy. Going to challenge you to think about some things. And in fact, it's going to be so heavy. I just want to encourage you to take tomorrow off. Um, <laughs> get some time to really digest what we talk about this morning. Uh, but it's going to be good, and I trust that uh, the Lord will speak to us. Colossians chapter 3, if you're able to stand, please do so as we honor the reading of God's Word. Colossians 3, uh, we're going to read this morning just uh, 18 and following, but we'll look at several verses uh, in chapter 3. So Colossians 3, uh, verse 18 says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents and everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service or people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart. Fearing the Lord, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward, for you are serving the Lord Christ, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you at how it speaks against so much of what we hear. And because of that, God, I pray that your spirit would come and give us clarity this morning regarding our family and uh, how we relate to family life. And so, Spirit, conform us to the image of Christ, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. You've um, probably figured out by now that I like movies. I don't know what would give that away. I did have uh, a gentleman told me one time he grew up in kind of a legalistic, fundamentalist background, and he said, I was always told by church not to watch movies. Now I come to church, and that's all we watch. But I do. I like movies. I like a variety of different kinds of movies. I uh, love the power of story, whether it be comedy or drama or action. Uh, about the only type of movie I don't like are those little sissy, girly, chick flick movies that Pastor Terry likes so much. <laughs> yeah. See, you don't know this about Pastor Terry, but he has a Ryan Gosling screensaver. Um, yeah. And, and, and I'm pretty burdened by that. So would you join me in prayer as we pray? I'm just kidding. We won't do that. I'm not a big fan of those kind of movies, but, but one type of movie that I do really like are those movies that are called Based on a True Story. You know, there's something about a movie that, that's tied to reality, uh, tied to true events, and, and it just makes it more interesting for me. Uh, one of the Based on a True Story movies that I really like, it's become a classic uh, is Apollo 13 with Tom Hanks. Some of you have seen that. Okay, good. Eight of you. Um, I know more of you have seen that. It's about the 1970 space shuttle launch to the moon. Uh, the launch went well, uh, but the landing was aborted because there was an explosion uh, that caused a loss of oxygen and uh, the electrical system was damaged. And, and you know that in the movie, a lot of the focus is down in mission control where they're trying to figure out uh, how they're going to get them home. 
And there's one particular scene where they're, they're trying to figure out how they're going to build some type of contraption so uh, it'll help them uh, up in the shuttle. And I want you to listen to the conversation that they have. Take a look. Losing heat since the accident. You can start getting a lot of water condensation on the control panels. Ken, you know what's going on? Uh, John's brought me up to speed. What do we have left in the batteries? We don't really know. We gotta get started on some shortcuts for power up. Yeah, you know how short? Well, it's all in the sequencing, John. If we can skip whatever we don't absolutely need and turn things on in the right order, maybe we're starting on a procedure? Well, the engineers are trying, but I mean, it's your ship. We gotta get you in there. Okay. Frank, I need the sim cold and dark. Give me the exact same conditions we've got in there now, and I need uh, present status of every instrument. You got it. I need a flashlight. That's not what they have up there. Don't give me anything they don't have on board. Let's get this show on the road. Put them in space, fellas. Now, did you hear that line just as he was walking in there? He said, don't give me anything they don't have on board. In other words, don't give me anything that they don't have up there. He's smart enough to realize that the design that they put together here has to line up with what they have up there. Now, I want you to think about that because I bet you that the majority of you, your frustration in life could be summarized by that alone. Namely, we have a tendency to redesign that which God has given design to. We have a tendency to want to do things not in the accordance of the way God has called them to be. And can I just say for the record this morning that when you do that, bad things always follow. Think, for instance, uh, Genesis. You don't have to go very far in the Bible, do you? God gives a specific design, a specific way to live, and Adam and Eve say, no, we'll do it our own way. And how did that turn out? Yeah, the whole, all of creation's now under a curse. Think about, for instance, Abraham. God says, I'm going to give you a son a promised son, but he takes matters into his own hand and he has a son through his servant. And you have Ishmael and then later on comes Isaac and, and what did that cause? How many of you have ever heard of the Israeli-Arab conflict that's been going on just for a little while? You can thank Abraham for that. You jump to the New Testament, you have the Pharisees where God has given a design of how life is supposed to be lived, and they just keep adding a bunch of rules that God never said to do. Trust me, it doesn't go well for you when you try to go against, down here, what God has designed up there. That's like my, my son's about to turn eight, and uh, he thinks he can take me, you know? I mean, like, he's just always, he tries to come at me, and I, bam, smack him down, you know? I know what it is about turning eight that he thinks, listen, I'm undefeated against eight-year-olds. I just want you to know. <laughs> undefeated. I have a belt I wear around my house. Champion, right? I mean, literally, that imagery is, is like you trying to fight up against God and the way life is supposed to be lived. And you can do that with your money. You can do that with your relationships. You can do that with where you put your hope. We have to constantly be reminded to go back to how God has told us things are to be so that we don't build something down here that doesn't match up there. And that is so true 
when it comes to the issue of family. And that's what Paul deals with here in Colossians chapter 3. But before we jump to this well-known text in verse 18 and following, we need to kind of get the full picture of what Paul is talking about here before. Because, you know, when he's writing this, it's just a letter. There's not like chapters and verses. You know that, right? Um, Paul's not like, hey, now I'm going to give some family tips. No, he's, he's writing an argument. He's giving a whole train of thought. And I want us to get that context so that we understand family rightly. And the first thing is this. Paul talks to them about the external pull away from the gospel. Look back at verses uh, 1 through 4. The external pull away from the gospel. Paul says this in verse 1. If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Now look at verse 2. Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth, for you have died, your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him. So uh, look at me here. Paul is saying, you got to you got to get your mind somewhere. And where you need your mind is on things above. You need to set your mind on the things of God, not on the things that you see around you. Now, why would Paul command them to do that? Well, let's go back just a little bit further. If you have a Bible, you can turn there or notice on the screen. Go back to, verse, uh, to chapter 1, verse 5, halfway through verse 5. And let's get this train of thought that leads us all the way up to family, and then hopefully we can see what family really is designed to be. Uh, Halfway through verse 5, Paul says, Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world, and it's bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it, and understood the grace of God in truth. So right here, Paul is saying, at the very beginning of the letter, the gospel came to you, the good news of Jesus Christ, the truth of God came to you, you believed it, you received it, and it bore fruit in your life. But there's a problem. And the problem we see is in chapter 2, verse 4. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. And then look at verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. So look right here, Brian. This is what's leading up to chapter three. Chapter three, Paul is saying, the gospel came to you, you received the gospel, it bore fruit, but you're being bombarded with all different ways of thinking about life and thinking about the gospel and thinking about relationships. And, and so there's this pull in your life from the external world away from the very thing that you first trusted and believed in. It's kind of like a game of tug of war. Have you ever played tug of war? Any of you played tug of war? Yeah. See, poof, ask and you shall receive. You didn't know I had that power, did you? Yeah. I just say tug of war and a rope appears, right? But this is the imagery I want us to have this morning, because if you've ever played tug of war, you know there's this pull back and forth and back and forth, and and that's the imagery of the text here. Paul is saying, 
You receive the gospel, but there's all of these philosophies and human ways of thinking that are tugging at that, which is why when you get to chapter 3, he says, you got to set your mind on things above. Because it's very easy for you to be deceived by the world around you. And, and, and here's, here's the point I want you to think about. Paul says this just a very few verses away from family. Meaning, Berean, there are all kinds of pressures and pulls to get your mind away from the way God has designed family to operate. There are all kinds of pressures fighting at you. And the truth is, listen, hear my heart. We're not as wise as we think we are. We are often more influenced than we would give ourselves credit. Now, hear me. Listen, I'm not like the four horses of the apocalypse guy. You know, your TV has a demon in it. You know, that kind of a thing. Or, or you know, if you watch a rated R movie, you're going to do meth and kill your children or something like that. You know, I'm not that kind of guy. I, I, in fact, I grew up in the whole youth group experience, you know, where you burned your secular music. Any of you grow up in that? I did, you know, and we'd all take it up to the fire and, you know, I'd put my Millie Vanilli in because, you know, it, it wasn't really them anyways, you know, so. But I'd kind of hold back my MC Hammer, you know, because I thought, you can't burn this. Oh, that's so bad. That's so bad. Penalty flag. But yeah, I mean, I, I grew up in that whole kind of thing, that kind of legalistic, and, and you got to watch this, and you can't watch that, and that's not my heart. I totally reject that, totally reject that. But what I do believe is consistent in the text is you do need to be careful as to the things that are pulling against the way you think, especially in regards to family. Now, the New York Times did an article uh, just a few months back uh, with Jesse Tyler Ferguson. Uh, some of you will know him from, uh, he's on the left there from Modern Family. And Eric McCormick, he's on the right there from Will and Grace. You remember that show? I think they do reruns or something now. But uh, both of these men played uh, a, a role of a gay man and gay relationships and homosexual marriage and that sort of thing. These were very groundbreaking shows. Um, when it comes to family and relationships and thinking about it differently. And, and, and I want you to hear what I am saying and what I'm not saying. First, listen to the interview done for these two men and what they said about their shows. This is really the point. Uh, Eric McCormick said this first. Maybe the story of the show, that is Will and Grace, is how normal it became to have that sort of thing in people's living rooms. I've always said there may be a chunk of this country whose minds will never change, but the ones whose minds do change won't change because a rally in West Hollywood, but because shows like ours make it normal. And then Jesse Tyler Ferguson, Modern Family, says, yeah, it makes it safe. Ty Burrell, who also plays on Modern Family, calls shows like ours Trojan horses because you sneak in and make people feel comfortable, and then maybe you show a little bit of an agenda, but the audience is acclimated to it at a very comfortable rate. Now, what am I saying and what I'm not saying? 
I'm not bashing the show. I'm not telling you what to watch and what not to watch, and I'm not isolating one particular issue. What I'm saying is exactly what they're saying is you get acclimated to things more than you realize. And that's exactly what's happening in, in the Colossians. They, they believe the gospel, they've received the gospel, but because of the pull from the outside world, it's very easy for them to, become, to begin to think like the world. And Paul says, stop and set your minds on things above. Set your mind on the things of God. Because if you don't set your minds on the things of God regarding the family, you will think just like the world thinks about the family. And there are other pressures, there are other pulls, so you you don't think I'm just attacking one issue. There's even an anti-family movement. Uh, Ty Grace Atkinson, who is of the National Organization of Women, says this, I want to, quote, eliminate sex marriage, motherhood, and love. Like I read that and I was like, somebody just needs to give her a hug. (laughs) I mean, seriously, like just come here. It's okay. It'll be all right. You know, here's a popsicle and a pack of gum. I mean, it's really, she goes on to say, marriage legalizes servitude and family relations is a source of all human oppression. Dr. Mary Jo Bain, professor of education at Wesley College, says, in order to raise children with equality, we must take them away from families and communally raise them. We could talk about the sexual revolution, premarital sex, pornography. We could talk about easy divorcism. And and what I mean by there is just people who would walk away from marriage because they don't want to be married anymore and, and no other reason than that. Materialism that puts financial pressures on the home, a, a career driven culture where you can have absentee parenting or people put off marriage and children because they want to build their own career and they see family as a hindrance to that, an anti-discipline culture, an anti-authoritarian culture. We could go on and on. We are crazy if we don't think there are multitude of pressures pulling at what God says about family. And again, my heart is not to condemn anyone because you know what? I'm just as broken as you are. I have just as many of these same pressures and realities in my own family as you do. Here's what we're about right here. Do you remember what Jesus said to the woman caught in adultery, a sin against the family? What did he say? I do not condemn you. You are not condemned. Meaning you are received, whatever your family struggle may be, wherever you're at in this, you are received and welcomed. But then what did Jesus say in the very same breath? Go and sin no more. Berean is to be a faith family where we welcome all kinds of people with all kinds of family struggles while at the same time calling out against those things that's trying to pull God's design for family apart. Set your mind on things above. Then Paul moves to the second thing here of not only the external pull, but an internal pull away from the gospel. Look at verse 5 of chapter 3. Again, we're trying to get to family here. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. 
So we're not just talking about the outward pull, we're talking about the inward pressure and pull away from what we know to be true and what we believe. And Paul goes on to deal with a lot of things that are related to family and and relationships. Look at verse 8. But now you must put them all away, anger. Anybody deal with anger in their family? Wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth, lying to one another. On, he, he talks about the idea of relationships cannot be what relationships are meant to be because of sin. Sin. And then he goes on to call them to put that off and to put on Christ. Look at verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility. Would these things change your family? Meekness, patience. Anybody need patience in their family? Bearing with one another. If anybody has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. Anybody have to forgive a family member? How does that happen? Right here. It happens when we, when we acknowledge the internal pull to live our own way and surrender to Christ and put on Christ and grow in Christ. That, that's, that's ultimately what your family needs. You see, some of you, when we talked about doing a series on family, I know we're like, good, Give me some real practical tips, some, some little simple things that I could do every day, like this example I found in a book on marriage. It says this, if you really want to have a good marriage, go buy your wife a teddy bear. That's sweet. But then write words of romance on it, wrap it up, and stick it in the back of the freezer behind the frozen chicken. I'm not making this up. And then this is what the author said. Someday she'll find it, and when you get home from work, it will be bliss. (laughs) Or she finds it on the wrong day, and you get hit with a frozen teddy bear. (laughs) I don't know that giving her ammunition is the best idea. You know, but so often, I say that because so often we want to run to give me these little kind of practical things to do. And man, it's great to do loving, practical things for your family. The most practical thing you could do to make your family life better is to repent of your sin and pursue Christ. Because Paul addresses this issue of putting off sin and putting on Christ Just a few verses before family, he's leading up to something, namely those things that will pull you away from what God has designed for family to be above. And so now we get to the main point. That was all free, by the way. I mean, and it didn't count against my time. So, (laughs) right? So the sermon actually starts now. Okay, maybe not. Now, but, but, but this is huge. Like, you've, you've got to know the context. So many people jump right into verse 18, and it gets really controversial really quick. But not if you understand the, the line of thought. What is Paul saying up to this point? You've received the gospel. 
It has been bearing fruit, but there's all these competing ideas in the world to pull you away from that. So set your mind on things above and deal with the sin in your life so that you can apply the gospel every day. Where? In the context of family. Or let me say it this way. If all these things are the pull to get us away from the gospel, this is good. I may be the only one in the room who likes this, but this is good. Family is what brings you back to the gospel because you have to live it daily. And when you begin to see family in that way and you put off all these other things competing with these ideas, all of a sudden you see the beauty that God has designed family life to be. Let me show you what I mean here in this, in this passage, that family is the primary place where we are called daily to apply the gospel. Verse 18, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Now, I know that's a controversial verse. You know, I know you have that crocheted on your wall at home, and, you know, ladies, you make blankets with that verse in it, you know. No, it's controversial, but it's not if you understand it in the context. What is Paul calling you to, ladies? He's calling you to place yourself, to sacrifice yourself under the leadership of another through honoring and respecting and encouraging, even if they don't fully deserve it. Why? Look right here. Because family is not about you. I'll let that set for a minute. Do you still love me? Yeah, that's kind of what I thought. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not confident in your answer there. <laughs> Wives, submit to your husbands. Why? Now, notice what Paul is doing because you are to give of yourself for another. Husbands, love your wives. Meaning, sacrifice yourself, lay down your life as Jesus did for his bride. Why? Men, family is not about you. Now I'm just upsetting everybody. So I don't, no, I'm not good. I got one person who still loves me. Just in case I've left, you think I've left you out, notice what Paul then says, children, obey your parents. I got two of my kids right here. J just a second. Chil <laughs> children, obey your parents. What's he doing? He's calling you to follow the direction of the authority that God has placed over you so long as they're not leading you into sin, even if you don't think it's fair. You ever heard that in your family? But that's not fair. Yeah, I know. I know. But this command isn't conditioned. Fathers, do not provoke your children. In other words, Paul is saying to parents to approach children in a way that builds them up, not just bring the hammer down and make myself feel good. It's not a self-serving parenting, but it's an other-serving parenting. Why? Because parents, family is not about you. Now, here's the question we should be asking. What is it about putting our minds above that helps us do this? 
That's the context. What is it about setting our minds on the things above and putting sin to death that allows us to live this design out here? And here's the answer. And this is why I say that family life is the daily living out of the gospel. It's the, it's the kitchen, it's the cell phone conversation, it's the, the living room, it's all those things. Why? Because the design above, which is centered in the cross of Jesus Christ, right here, right here, right here, is this. At the cross, you have a son who is motivated to do one thing, the will of his father. And on and on and on and on and on in the Gospels, what Jesus keeps saying is, I'm here to do the will of my Father. I just, I want the Father's will to be done. I want the Father glorified. And do you know what the Father is doing for the Son at the cross? He's giving Him a name that is above every name, and every knee is going to bow to it, and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, and He's doing it all, uniting all things under the feet of His Son, and He's all for giving to the Son. And then there's the whole Holy Spirit. And Jesus said in John 14, John 16, that the Spirit's going to come. And do you know who he's going to glorify? He's not going to glorify himself. He's going to glorify me. He's going to be all about Jesus, 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 Jesus. In other words, you have relationships that have existed for all of eternity that's been all about the other person. A father who's all about the son, a son who's all about the father, the spirit who's all about the son. And they're sacrificing for the other, which is at the heart of the cross where sin was put to death. And there are 10,000 forces every day of your life trying to pull you away from that design. And if you're not careful, you'll be doing something here that doesn't match what's up above. Is that, is that helpful for anybody but me to just think, man, this is, this family thing is kind of a big deal. It's a weighty thing. Because what comes with it is the very imprint of God. Which is also why it's at the core of the gospel, because every single one of us needs grace. Because if you're like me, you're very quick to say, but I can't, I can't do this. Exactly. Which is why you need grace to come and give you the power and the ability to do that which you cannot do on your own. If you try to pull yourself, you'll lose every time. But when you surrender to the grace found only in Jesus Christ, you find the power to do what you can't do. Brian, I want us to understand that God in giving us family has given us something that images something greater than what we see around us. Feel the weight of that this morning. Understand that God has designed family to give us just a taste of God's design of what family is supposed to be. I guess what I'm saying is this. 
in a world where so many families are based on fiction, let's let our families be based on a true story. Let's pray. God, help us to do that. Um, I hope that this morning we feel the, the beauty that is family in a world that is literally trashing it. Um, help us understand that this is, this really is more than how do I get my desires met. But you've given us a beautiful picture, God, of how you have operated for eternity. And, uh, and every day we get the opportunity to live that out, to grow in our relationship with you through that, to encounter our own sin and find ourselves again going deeper in grace. So help us this morning receive this, think on these things and not the things of the world. Maybe by your Spirit you would even just convict us of how influenced we've become and how we need to set our minds on you. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen.